This is a Dalarna University production. Hello, my name is Konstantin Andreev and I work for Hug School in Dalarna. And at Hug School in Dalarna we teach a whole bunch of languages such as English and French and Spanish and German and Arabic and Japanese and Chinese and Russian. One language we don't teach is actually Swinglish and I thought that it was a uh, high time to fill this gap and um, well today this little presentation is going to be about Swinglish. Now the thing about Swinglish is it's not really a big problem. It's no big deal to speak Swinglish if all you have to do is talk to people. But when you actually want to write things down, sometimes it can look sort of bad. And that's why I thought it might be a good idea to take a look at some features of Swinglish grammar and see how you can avoid them. Now, in order to talk about grammar, we need to know a, a tiny bit of grammatical terminology, but I can promise you that this is not very challenging, not difficult at all, and anyone who, anyone who knows the difference between der and dem in writing can, can manage this, I can promise you that. So I would like you to take a look at this sentence. Swedes love grammar, as it says there. Okay, well as you can see, this sentence consists of three words. We have Swedes, we have love, and we have grammar. Now, Swedes are the actors, so to say, in this sentence. Uh, Swedes are doing stuff in this sentence, we can say. And, uh, well, things that do stuff in sentences are known as subjects, so that's one term we need to remember. Then we have love, and this is what is being done by Swedes, as we can see. And the stuff that is being done in a sentence is the verb of the sentence. You can see that it follows the, the, uh, the actor, as it were. So Swedes do something they love. What do they love? And uh, the stuff that you do things to is the object. So if you do something to, to something, right, you love grammar, you drink tea, you read newspapers. So newspapers and tea and grammar, they're all objects. You do things to them, right? Okay, so this is the, these are the three terms that we need to remember at this point. Okay, all right, so let's uh, consider a couple of examples of Swinglish in action. And I have seen a lot of similar sentences in my work as a teacher. So sentence number one is a very nice example of uh, what we call Swinglish word order or disorder, if you like. English have I used all my life. Then we have another sentence, a slightly longer one. After so many years, can it be difficult to see the problem with this sentence? And that's actually, that's a problem that many Swedish people have because uh, Swedish people grow up speaking English one way or the other. And uh, after so many years, as it says there, it can get a little difficult to see um, whatever problems still remain. All right, so let's take a closer look at these sentences and how well they correspond to um, the kind of word order that English requires. English as opposed to Swinglish, I mean. All right, so in English we have this rule which says it, if it's not a question, don't put a verb, any verb, before the subject, that is, the actor in the sentence. Let's consider our second sentence. In our second sentence, the actor is this little word, it, as you can see, right? It can be, it can be difficult. The stuff that, it, uh, the stuff that it's doing here is, it is. So, after so many years, can it be difficult to see the problem doesn't fit our rule, because can there is a verb. It's part of what this it is doing in the sentence. So we can see that this is a Swinglish sentence. It's not an English sentence, it doesn't fit the rule that we have in English. 
And we have another rule in English, and this rule states that you shouldn't put the object first. Now, if we remember our first sentence, English have I used all my life, well, if, and if we think about what is the object in the sentence, we will see that the object is English. You are doing something to English in this sentence, right? You have used it all your life. Now, as you can see, English is at the beginning of the sentence, and that is something you just don't do in English. Happens in Swinglish, that's why we have this example, but it doesn't happen in English. So, how can we fix this? Now, if you, if you decide to become a teacher, or if you are a teacher already, you know that they will always tell you you shouldn't use negative rules, you should be positive about things. So, on our next slide, uh, we're going to see a positive version of the same. Um, so, more positively, we can say that in English word order, if it's not a question, right, if you're not asking a question, you need to make sure that all the verbs that you have end up after the subject. And the correct English version of this Swinglish sentence would be, after so many years, it can be difficult to see the problem. So no matter what other stuff you might have at the beginning, after so many years, now that I think about it, right, you need to make sure that all the verbs that you have, both can and be, come after the it, this little it thingy, the actor in the sentence. Likewise, if you look at uh, the second rule there, put the object after the verb, now it's stated more positively, you can see that English, the object, well, it has to be somewhere in the middle of the sentence, right? You have the subject, the actor first, then you have the verb, what you're doing, and then you mention what you are doing this thing too. I have used English all my life. Alright, so that's, that's one uh, thing that happens in Swinglish and that, that it's not really a good idea to do in, uh, in writing in English. Um, well, of course, the grammar of Swinglish is, is very rich and that there's other stuff going on. Um, for example, Swinglish uses tenses uh, in, um, well, in special ways, we can say. So just like in English, you have, you have the present tense, you have the future tense, you can talk about the past as well. But uh, things are slightly different. So, for example, in, in the Swinglish present tense, if you want to talk about things that happen in the present, around the present, so to say, right, in some way. Now, in Swinglish, you may want to say something like this. I am usually doing other things in my English class. Or, we're living in a democracy. Why is it not a good idea to write this down like that? Well, let's see. Let's see what uh, English grammar requires. Now, if you want to use, if you want to talk about the present, what happens around the present moment in English, you have the following rule. You should not use, you should not say things such as I am doing, we are doing, he is doing, and so on and so forth. To talk about things that happen again and again and again. So you can't use those forms to talk about uh, things that happen repeatedly, as it were. So, if we look at our sentence, I'm usually doing other things in my English class, we can see that this sentence clearly violates this rule that we have in English. Now, likewise, you can't use this form, the same I am doing, you are doing, he is doing form, to talk about things that are permanent, that are always true. And now, let's look at our second sentence. We're living in a democracy. Now, hopefully, this is a permanent state of affairs, at least in this country. 
right? You've had democracy for a while, and uh, well, let's hope that it's permanent. It's something that is not going to go away tomorrow. So we can see that this sentence doesn't fit the rule. How do we fix it? Again, stated more positively, the rule will sound like this. We need to use the simple form without all those ah and ng things, right? We need to use the simple form to talk about things that happen again and again and again. So instead of saying I'm usually doing other things, we have to say I usually do other things in my English class. Well, likewise, we use the simple form to talk about things that are permanent. So, and if you, if you don't want to think that you are afraid, um, well, that you fear for the future of Swedish democracy, if you don't want people to think that, you need to say we live in a democracy. Okay? And this is very important. Swedish people tend to overuse this I am doing, he is doing, she is doing um, thing. And uh, I've... I thought about this quite a lot, and I think it's probably because it sounds more, it sounds more cool and more, more English, so to say. But remember, there's actually a reason for choosing one form over the other, and vice versa. And you can see the reason on the slide. All right. Uh, now that we have established that to talk about things that are permanent, or to talk about things that happen again and again, we need to use the simple form, um, we run into a further problem. And this problem is that sometimes you have to add this little s ending to this simple form in the present. And uh, if we compare Swinglish and English here, they work in different ways. So in Swinglish, for example, you can see the following sentences. My colleagues always gets their endings right. I doesn't get a chance to correct them. My life feel meaningless. All right, well, let's see what happens in English, as opposed to Swinglish, again. Now, in English, you need to think about what or who the actor of the sentence is. So, for example, in the first sentence, uh, the subject or the actor is my colleagues. And now you need to think about what you can use to replace that, uh, to replace your colleagues. You can replace them with they. Right? You can't replace them with she, you can't replace them with he, you can't replace them with it. You have to replace them with they. The rule says, as you can see, if you can't replace it with he, she or it, you shouldn't, you mustn't use an est verb with it. So, you can't say my colleagues get, you have to say my colleagues get their endings right. And likewise, if you look at the second sentence, I don't get a chance to correct them. Right? If we look at the actor in that sentence, at the subject, well, the subject is I, and I can only be replaced with I. I think you will agree with me there. So, we, we can't replace it with she, we can't replace it with he, we can't replace it with it, and this means we don't need this S ending, right? We have to use the, the non-est form, as it were. So, we say, I don't get a chance to correct them. And by the same token, if you can replace it with he, she, or it, you have to use an est verb with it. You can't do without this little s thingy at the end. So if you're talking about your life, and, uh, well, your life is a, I mean, it's a, it's a big deal, but you can still replace it with one little it, as you can see. You can say it fails, right? And since you can replace it with this one little it, then you have to use the s ending at the end. You say it feels extremely meaningful. 
Right, putting a more positive spin on it, of course. All right. Um, now, finally, uh, one final swinglish rule that we're going to consider today is I, I don't really... I, I'm having a hard time putting a name on it without, uh, without using any fancy grammatical termino terminology. So I just... Uh, the title of the slide is It is swinglish in our office. And hopefully you will understand what I'm talking about here. Let's consider the following sentences. Well, for example, for example, you've been showing the pictures of cats on the internet to your partner, right? And your partner is is becoming in, increasingly impatient. But you say it's one more it's it's one more cat you have to see. Or you wanted to buy something, but it was little money left on your account. Or you're talking about the uh, the, the bright future of Sweden and the rest of the world, and you say it will be a lot of windmills here here, there, and everywhere. All right. These sentences are understandable, I'll grant you that, but again, they are swinglish, and if you want to write them down, you want to do something, you want to change something about them. So what do you need to change? Okay. Now, here's the thing. You take an English sentence, and if it's at all possible to translate this sentence, to start translating it by using, in Swedish, det finns, det fanns, or det kommer, you must not start this sentence with it. Now, let's consider our three sentences again. The one about cats, one more cat. You can see that it is possible to start translating this sentence into Swedish by using det finns, and this means we can't use it in English. In the second sentence, you can see that it is possible to start translating the sentence by using det fanns, right? Rather than just det var, for example. So we can't use this it. And finally, in the last sentence, the one about the, uh, the bright future with a lot of windmills everywhere, you can see that we can say, we can start translating that into Swedish by using det kommer. And because of that, we can't use it. So if we can't use it, what can we use? What, what should we use? Oh, that's quite simple. If we can't use it, we have to use there. So you take a sentence like this. If it can be translated into Swedish, if at the beginning of the translation you can have something like that fins, that fans, that kommer, you have to use there. So we end up with the correct forms now. There's one more cat you have to see. There was little money left in my account. And there will be, let's hope, a lot of windmills here and everywhere. And now you can stop this uh, video and test yourselves. We have a few sentences here. Well, I'll read them out. This lecture have I followed with interest. I know that I'm often messing up my grammar. My friends keep telling me that I should be a little more attentive, and I guess it's some truth in that. As I said, uh, now I would like you to stop this video and think about these sentences a little. Try and see what is wrong with them, what is swinglish about them. And now that you've thought about this, you can have a look at the key. Well, first of all, let's see what is wrong with these sentences. In the first sentence, we, start, we started the sentence with an object. 
this lecture have I followed with interest, right? We can see that the actor in this sentence is, is me, it's I, right? I have followed something, and the something that I have followed is this lecture, right? I've, I've done something to this lecture. So it has to come after me. It has to come after the, uh, well, the actor in the sentence. Next, if we look at the second sentence, um, we are talking about, I hope that you noticed that, we're talking about something that happens often. And if something happens often, then I think it stands to reason to assume that it happens again and again and again, right? It's something that happens repeatedly. So we can't use the I'm doing form. We can't say I'm messing up my grammar. That is wrong, unfortunately. Next, in our next sentence, we have my friends doing something. And here we need to think about what we can replace my friends with. Can we replace them with she? No, there's more than one. Can we replace them with he? No, there's more than one. We have to replace them with they. So we have, we can't say my friends keeps because we use this S ending at the end only when we can replace the actor in the sentence with he, she or it. And then finally, I guess it's some truth in that. Well, we look at the second part of the sentence and we think about whether we can translate this by using that fins rather than just by using that ad, for example. And yes, we can start translating that second part of the sentence by using that fins. So, as a result, we have to, in, in English, if you want to write these sentences in English, in grammatically correct English, we have to say the following. I have followed this lecture with interest. I know that I often mess up my grammar. My friends keep telling me that I should be a little more attentive. I guess there's some truth in that. And I'm sure that just with a little bit of time, with a little bit of attention, you will fix all of those problems. I hope that this lecture has been useful. I would like to thank you for your attention. And that's it from me. Thank you.